0: Welcome to Bring the Virtual Balance from the Office of Health and Wellness at Baruch College. My name is Sharmine, and I am your co-host for today. I am joined today with my co-host and fellow Pause peer mentor, Parmjeet.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Parmjeet, and we are so happy to be back. For those listeners who are new to Bring the Virtual Balance, in this podcast, we discuss a variety of topics that relate to the seven dimensions of the wellness wheel, with a focus on how each wellness component affects our student community. We're so excited to bring our first episode of the semester called Women Leaders at Baruch. Our focus of today's episode is to celebrate Women's History Month and have a conversation about the experiences and challenges faced by women. Today, we
0: are so glad and grateful to be joined by our wonderful guests to speak with them about their professional and personal journeys as women leaders at Baruch College. So let's begin by asking everyone if they could tell us a little bit about themselves and what their role at Baruch is. So we will start off with Harmony.
2: Great, thank you for the invitation. So my name is Harmony Osei. I am the Assistant Director in the Baruch College Honors Program and I advise the Provost Scholars. I was previously a Macaulay advisor in the same department before changing my role. And a little bit about me, Uh, I went to SUNY Plattsburgh, which if you know, it's very far upstate, like negative 10 degrees for undergrad. And I studied human development. And then I got my master's at NYU in higher education. And I actually will be uh, beginning uh, my PhD in urban education at the Graduate Center in the fall. And I've worked in higher education for a very long time in various fields in residence life, career advising, academic advising, and I'm just very excited to speak to you all today. A little bit about me as well is that I'm very passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I am a member of CUNY's diversity, equity, and inclusion incubator. I also present at Brook's Women of Color Leadership Program. I've given speeches about hair diversity, And so one of my purposes is pretty much to decolonize CUNY and to always put students first in any of my actions.
0: Amazing, we're so glad to have you today with us, Harmony. Now we will move on to Brianna.
3: Hi everyone, so my name is Brianna Sen. I'm currently a junior at Beruk and I'm majoring in advertising, marketing, communications. Currently on campus, I am the executive vice president for our student government I have also been a member of Team Brug where I hold various positions, such as working through with Success Network organization. And I was also a first year seminar peer mentor. Those experiences have been such an amazing, have had such an amazing impact on like my brew experience as I not only started off in the Success Network program as a mentee, but also continue to become a mentor and give back to the brew community. Um, I would say these these programs have helped shape my view on, on higher education and the importance of raising awareness of various resources. Um, in addition to that, I also interned with CUNY as a college coach to assist with the gap process between high school and the transition into college, where I helped graduating seniors make it to their first day of college. Um, I also work with Eddie in the enrollment management department as a marketing coach.
1: Awesome, thank you to our guest speakers for introducing themselves. So our first question for our guest speakers is, growing up, did you always know the field you wanted to pursue a career in or um, what field you're um, going into? Where did this passion for your field come from? And could you also touch upon what experiences at your time in college help you narrow down what major or career you wanted to pursue? Uh, we can begin with Harmony and then move to Brianna.
2: Sure. So. I'm just keep going to keep it real for everyone on this podcast. Life isn't perfect and I had a crazy childhood. A little bit about me. I did grow up in foster care. And so because of that, I really had an unstable childhood. And I think like many people, when they go through challenges in life, they try to find some type of joy. And so for me, I found joy in school. I dedicated all of my energy and attention focus, I guess, as a defense mechanism towards school. I was in gifted and talented programs. I always did like after school, things like that. And so I really loved school and being challenged academically. And then in college, I became very active on campus. So I was a resident assistant for three years. I was also a usher for the performing arts events on campus. I um, was an orientation leader. And then my final semester in our program, everyone had to do an internship and everyone generally intern in like a daycare or school. And I went to the Dean from knowing him from my prior roles and said, hey, can I be your intern? And that was very non-traditional and I had to fight to kind of get that exception, but I was able to intern with the Dean and through that understand really the workings of an institution. And part of that internship was serving as a teacher's assistant for a diversity through film course. And so that's where I really learned. I loved learning about diversity and also getting involved in a college campus. And then the Dean was like, do you know this is a field, right? Like this is a career. And so that's the first time I heard about higher education or student affairs as a career. And because of that, I actually then applied to higher ed programs, got accepted. And that's really where I found my passion. I think growing up school was just something I enjoyed. I didn't know as a kid, like, I want to be a teacher, I want to be this. I just did something that I loved and fell into it, pretty much, just from being uh, active on campus, as Brianna mentioned, doing so much as an undergrad student just kind of fell into the field and really loved what i was doing and then as a current professional in the different places i've worked i think you start finding your niche and i definitely have a passion for helping students with mental health needs and focusing on traditional and marginalized students also because of my own identity
1: thank you and for sharing and now we can move to rihanna hi
3: guys so for me I also can echo that sentiment. Where I've always been highly interested in, like, highly involved with education. Like that has been like my big focal point in high school. I always like stress out about my grade. Um, however, I really didn't know what exactly I wanted to do. Um, I've always been interested in like content creation. I used to actually have my own YouTube channel, and I would make and edit videos. And I guess that really sparked my interest. For advertising, marketing, and communications. Um, at first, at Peru, actually, I thought I was going to do international business, but I didn't realize they had a program that allowed for me to have multiple venues in a field that I already enjoyed doing. I would say that through my work experience, I started off in the enrollment management office my first year at Peru, and I would assist them with like creating graphics and like helping out with the events and. That really sparked my interest to get more involved in like understanding like the ins and outs of marketing like the importance of advertising and communicating the overall message but more specifically for me a student of color and like first generation I have really been striving for knowledge like spreading communication of knowledge and resources like I feel like Baruch and CUNY as a whole has a lot of resources to offer however they the resources are there but they're not like spread so for me becoming someone in the marketing advertising field I want to be someone who's able to raise awareness of different resources that like a company or like this college has to offer which is like why I chose this field.
2: I also just want to thank Brianna for mentioning that because as a first generation student myself as well I think our pathway to figuring out what our field is and what we love is very different from someone who has that representation, that guidance, someone in their family or background that has been through it. So I appreciate you mentioning that because I think we have an ownness of having to figure it out ourselves because of being first generation students.
0: Thank you guys. I find it like so interesting, like based off of both of your responses, like especially about how your experiences shaped your interests and how you're now bringing that into your professional, your academic experience, like careers. It really shows um, the inspiration behind it. Um, So now I actually, we're going to focus on overcoming the obstacles, that part of our podcast. So this question is for everyone. Um, So as a woman, what challenges do you guys face and or did you face in any leadership role that you have held or currently hold? Um, so this could have been in academics, um, professionally, or if you've worked a job, um, we'd like to hear more about that.
2: Sure. So. I think there's a couple things that I've faced, I would say, professionally. One, I can't stop thinking about what Brianna mentioned, just as an undergrad, as a student, just trying to figure out my way in general. Made a ton of mistakes, and it's perfectly fine. No one's perfect. Uh, So I think just really trying to navigate and figure out who I am in order to decide what type of leader I wanted to be. And then I think as a professional, wherever you work, there's always politics and the bureaucracies and who's in charge, how things are done. And that's something I've definitely struggled with is when there's such stringent procedures and processes, I don't think that uh, sometimes we hold on to our humanity and sometimes things aren't a straight line because there are things that come up and you have to be adaptable. It cannot just be a specific procedure. You have to always keep in mind the students or whatever field your clients and really care about people and keep the emotion as an important part of what you do. I think another thing I've struggled with is accountability. I think seeing people not being held accountable or for example, companies posting Black Lives Matter and then not holding themselves accountable or doing anything about it. That's an example of something I've dealt with. And then also just as a woman, not having a seat at the table. I think we live in a world that's uh, filled with patriarchy and men you know, being paid more and having certain positions. And so our voices are sometimes not valued as women and we have to work twice as hard And then lastly, I'll also mention that we can never forget about intersectionality. So I'm identifying as an Afro-Latina. I'm identifying as a first-generation student, someone who grew up poor, and then I'm a woman. And all of these different things impact you on a day-to-day basis and impact the type of leader you are and will be and the way that you're received. And so just knowing that uh, there's definitely been obstacles I've faced. And ways I've been marginalized and oppressed because I'm a woman, I'm a person of color, etc.
3: Um, I just want to definitely echo what Harmony said about like finding yourself. Being in college specifically as like a first generation student, I also live in the residence hall, so this is like my first time like away from home. I did grow up like in a fairly strict household, so like finding out like who I am as a person and like just trying to explore that avenue has been something I have struggled with, like. As a first year student, I used to be like very shy and like to myself, but now like growing into leadership, I have like become more outspoken, but with leadership, I feel like comes more Of a burden to like figure out who you want to be and who you want to like how you want to identify yourself as a leader. For me, I have always struggled with like the feeling of belonging like Being a first generation student. I also grew up not very well off. Um student of i am mixed so sometimes like i don't fit into like either category and that's something i do really struggle with like feeling like oh am i just here because of my race or do i actually belong here that is something i have really struggled with in college
0: i think both the points that you both brought up about like the questions that one may have of like the challenges personally like thinking about the self the feeling of self-belonging versus like also what's happening outside like in your environment so it's very interesting just to see like both as a woman and then of um minority intersectionality and these different groups like how these things affect us and like how it's definitely influences the way our leadership roles pave out to be and how we experience
1: these things it's very interesting definitely I also do want to say um I appreciate how both Harmony and Brianna they're bringing up the point that finding out who we are and like it's not a, like, as Harmony mentioned, it's not a straight line. It's not it's not a straight path. You go through experiences throughout your life that will help you find what you want to do, but it will it won't be straight, a straight line. Um, and another thing that Harmony mentioned was um, women don't have a seat at the table most of the time. And so I wanted to follow up with, um so according to a KPMG study, they found that over seventy five percent of women, working in corporate roles, face some sort of um, form of imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome is cited as having self-doubt about your abilities and questioning your accomplishments. So have you um, ever felt impos- um, feelings of imposter syndrome or experienced similar doubts at some point in your career? And how have you tried to overcome or find solutions to these imposter-like um,
2: feelings or self doubt all day, every day. (laughs) So I feel it all the time. I felt it on every stage as a student, as a graduate student going to NYU, a predominantly white institution and sitting in class and it's just a couple of students of color. I would sit there and be like, how did I get here? I don't even know what I'm doing here or what I'm doing. Uh, And then also as a professional, you know, getting to the point now where I am an assistant director, definitely feeling that. And then also uh, I'm starting my PhD program in the fall and I know I'm going to feel that, but also I, took two courses. I said, you know, let me test it out and see if I enjoy this. And sitting in class as a non-matriculated student with all these professionals who are in the program, I totally doubted myself. But the point of that also is that I took that chance and I still did it even though I was scared and I doubted myself. So I've definitely felt that. And I think you feel imposter syndrome a lot because of your identity. I felt it because of my upbringing. So for example, I mentioned one of my salient identities as being a foster alum. And so one statistic is that less than 5% of foster youth ever get a college degree, ever. And I miraculously got an undergrad degree, got a graduate degree, and I'm somehow you know, gonna work towards a PhD. And so I felt imposter syndrome because all the statistics told me you have a 95% chance of failure. And I didn't allow statistics to dictate my future. I also think I feel it Because of my class, my race, my ethnicity, um, even my appearance. So I feel imposter syndrome every morning. I don't have the ability to just roll over and go to work. I have to think about what is going to happen? What am I going to do with my hair? Am I going to tie my hair back? Is this unprofessional? How do I look? I always have to think about that. So I feel like an imposter. Uh, So I would just say, that definitely some internal reasons why I feel imposter syndrome, but also external reasons like lack of representation. And I would just recommend that people try to reflect inward, try to gain some type of confidence, find places where you have a support network. So I mentioned I'm a part of the diversity, equity, and inclusion incubator. They give me that confidence. They help me build my self-esteem and help eliminate some of that imposter syndrome. I would say use your voice and you'll see that you're truly valued and that you matter Um, and accept really your imperfections. It's okay to mess up. It's okay not to be perfect. It doesn't mean you don't belong. And the last thing would be find your niche, your skill area. So a lot of the time we feel like an imposter in certain aspects, find that place where you're confident, where you're it's your strong suit. So I'm very strong on DEI work, for example. I'm going to sit in that because that's what I'm good at. I'm not going to sit in a place where I'm not that comfortable. And so it's okay to pick and choose your place and where you'll make a difference.
3: Um, I have also like throughout my college career, and even before that, I have felt like imposter syndrome for sure. One thing that I do struggle with a lot is like the ability to say no. Like I feel like by taking on a lot of different tasks, like I can show like I am able to, I'm capable. However, that does like definitely take a toll on my mental health. Like prior to COVID, like the, like literally the week leading up to it, I had like so much going on. I had like midterms, I had like you and she stuff happening. But when COVID hit, it was actually, I'm not gonna say a blessing in disguise, but it did give me some time to like reevaluate and take a step back because I was overworking myself to like the point of like almost at a breakdown. So the ability to say no has been something I have definitely struggled with. And also saying yes, because I feel like there is a stigma between a woman of color. Like if there's like aggression, like they're like they're like mean and unapproachable. So that is definitely something that I have struggled with, like trying to work on being able to get my point across without it being conveyed and construed in a, like, a certain way. But I will say um, Success Network and like my UH advisors are two groups of people who have like worked with me and tell me like you are doing a good job. Just like the positive self-talk that I start to like say like, okay, if other people are noticing that maybe I am doing something right, just be like their their reassurance as like upper level administration show me that I get, like, not even I
0: guess, like, I know, like, the work that I'm doing is having an impact. I find that to be so impactful, though, like, based off of, like, what Harmony said with, like, the numbers, like, the numbers say one story about, like, especially the kids who are in the foster system, like, they say that, okay, like, 95% chance that you're not going to be making it through, like, through college and going beyond for higher education, but then you have these examples. You don't need to be defined by what others are telling you, what society is telling you. If you have, like, as Brianna stated with the support system, Harmony stated with the diversity committee, like having the this, this system, the support, the encouragement, the motivation in yourself, like you can go beyond what society is saying and really prove them wrong and show them how you can do it. So it's very, like, that was very inspiring for me. Um, So for the next question, I know we touched upon this um, a bit before, but um, if you do identify and belong to a group with minority status, could you tell us about how it has affected your professional and personal journeys? So um, if you guys want to talk a little bit more about that, comfortable?
2: Sure. So I know I mentioned a little bit about the hair, for example, the hair situation, um, me identifying as Afro-Latina, definitely being conscious of how I look, how I'm being received. Every single day, I also have to consciously code switch. So I can't speak in my African-American vernacular English. I have to think about what I'm saying and how how I'm saying it. Um, As Brianna mentioned, uh, for a lot of colleagues of mine and friends as well, they're always thinking about the angry Black woman myth, right? If you get too aggressive, oh, no, that's the angry, minority. You have to be conscious of how you're speaking. Um, I also have felt devalued definitely that other colleagues um, who are identify as white, their opinions and thoughts and input are valued more. I've also quite honestly, um, as a professional, dealt with microaggressions. So I've definitely dealt with people saying things that were discriminatory and trying to find ways to navigate that. Um, In addition, I would say also uh, my identity has impacted me, as Brianna mentioned, having to work harder. Um, Also, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the uh, concept of double consciousness, but W.E.B. Du Bois talked about double consciousness and that people of color literally navigate life with this dual awareness. So you pretty much have a dual identity, dual awareness. Um, and consciousness because you live in a society that is uh, filled with white supremacy. And because of that, you have to be aware of the society you live in, but also live with your own personality, your values and your identity that doesn't align with the majority, with the norm. And so because of that, I definitely as a minority have a sense of double consciousness. And then we factor on that uh, imposter syndrome that we talked about and all these other things. It can definitely be a lot, But with any negatives, there's positives. And I would say I always am happy that as a minority, I have access to cultural wealth because of my identity, because I've been oppressed and marginalized. And it enables me to connect with uh, staff and students of color and understand, like I said, keeping that humanity, caring and understanding struggles because I've gone through it. Um, And then also, it allows me and motivates me to fight for those who are marginalized, being able to see diverse perspectives and opinions, um, and just really navigating, as I said, the society and patriarchy, it has benefited me in giving me an awareness that I truly appreciate, because with any struggle, I think there's positives as well.
3: Okay, I was gonna touch upon the hair situation and just like always, the consciousness of how you're looking and how you're being perceived. Um, so as you guys, like you guys aren't gonna see me, but I do have like very curly hair and features that resemble of someone who is African American. So I'm always conscious of like how my hair is put together and like like Harmony said, you can't just like wake up like because with curly hair, one day it could be great. The other, one day it looks up perfectly beautiful one day it's like insane so it's like always thinking about how I'm going to look how I'm going to be perceived and as a student leader I do feel like I have like just like when I do know like there's like in a meeting or something coming up I will dress like extra professional to show like I do belong in this space even though I'm a student first I still have a voice and like that my voice does have hold weight so um I would definitely say it is though like always a struggle of like the do I belong? It's like these little things do add up and definitely do take the whole. But one thing that Harmony did note is like having this awareness that is occurring is like something that is kind of like a benefit because those who like perpetuate hate they might not even see it as hate. But like being like having this awareness that is occurring is something that is like I think very important. I feel like. More people should strive for, like, trying to be actively aware and not, like, adding to the problem.
1: Um, thank you, both, for sharing your experiences and your stories. Um, I do want to uh, again highlight what Harmony said. Um, I really appreciate you saying to find the strength and the positives, even in the face of um, negative situations. And um, I, our next portion of the discussion is going to sort of speak about the importance of mental health and. Um, To jump off of the overcoming obstacles, we do wanna, um, so another obstacle we're all currently facing is the um, COVID-19 pandemic. And it's especially interesting seeing how the pandemic has affected um, women. Um, So just to mention the CDC website um, uh, cited that two out of every three caregivers are women. Over this past year, with some work sites, schools, and childcare centers closing because of COVID-19, Many caregivers must manage work while also teaching and caring for their children. Um, Balancing more than one role can be hard when you are taking care of children. So we wanna ask our guest speaker today, um, as a woman, you may face multiple roles at home, whether as a daughter, a mother, wife, sister, et cetera. How has the pandemic blurred these boundaries for you? And how have you dealt dealt with um, these, holding many responsibilities and finding the middle ground? And I know Brianna mentioned that um, she, before the COVID-19 pandemic, she had, she had many, um I guess, roles and tasks to get done. So how has, um how has the pandemic sort of blurred these different responsibilities?
2: Sure. So um, I will say at first I was really happy, like, yes, I get to work from home. I don't got to travel or anything like that. I'm canceling my transportation plan, my MetroCard. And then I got home and I'm child-free I would say right now I don't have kids but I am married and so naturally in this society women have to take care of the home and cook and clean and do all of these things so the first thing I recognize I would say being from home is now I have to figure out what my husband's going to eat three times a day and I'm like oh my gosh like I'm busy I'm not trying to think about that usually I would have to only worry about dinner and he's eating breakfast and lunch and so then I'm like great my worst enemy right now are dishes I don't know if anyone else despises dishes <laughs> as much as I do, but being home and having to do dishes and cook and all of that, it, it, it does take a burden. You know, when we, you think about you're also still working, or like I said last semester, in the spring, I was taking a PhD class when we went to, to remote learning. And so I'm trying to take a class. I'm working full time, making sure my home is OK and that I'm OK. It definitely was a lot and hard to disconnect because I think in the office, you say, OK, I'm working nine to five or I have class at this time. When you're at home, you're like, just one more email, just one more project, just one more thing. And because of us facing multiple pandemics, we're facing the pandemic of racism and COVID, there's increased emotional needs that I felt as a woman I needed. And then also, I want to acknowledge that, you know, recently there's been a lot going on as well, so we, to speak their names, you know, we lost uh, um, Soleil Spears, and we also recently lost Odobek Zeneyev, who passed away, which was my student, my advisee for the past almost four years, and so we're burdened with all of these other emotional things that are going on, and it has taken a toll on my health, Um, and I think what I learned would be some takeaways, it's okay to be selfish, and step away and just say, I'm not doing this right now. And to put yourself first, it's important to practice self-care. So I have no shame in saying that I recently signed up for counseling because I realized that I couldn't handle everything as a woman, as a person of color, et cetera, on my own. And again, I can never get away from your support circle. That can be your family, your friends. Um, for me, it's you know, diversity circle, my family, my husband, and some very close friends that I have. We cannot do it alone um, in, in this society at all. So don't ever hesitate to reach out to your support network. Um,
3: just to touch upon like how the pandemic has impacted me. So, like Carmen says, I thought. Said I thought like, oh, the pandemic is a blessing in disguise. Like, we're gonna be home. It's just gonna be a two week thing to get back on track. But then it just like went downhill from there. So um, like I mentioned before, I do work in the housing department, but I also live in the residence hall. And the residence hall was like kind of like an escape from the reality of like my home life, I would say. And so having to move out so abruptly I, at home, I don't really have, like, my own, like, personal space, Um, because my grandpa does live with us, because he's, like, old, and he needs, like, taken care of, Um, so I didn't, like, have my own space. Um It's very loud and noisy, because, like, he is old, and he would, like, just do things random times of the day, like, he'll be quiet in the morning, but then, like, that one meeting I'm going into, it's, like, now he's making noise. My dad was home for a while, as well, and my mom was, working she was she's like one of the essential workers so
2: being home in a
3: very noisy environment when I'm used to like peace and quiet and like having my own space by myself like able to do what I want like when I want to is, has been like very difficult specifically like for studying. because I although I, w- I am heavily involved I do take academics very seriously and like not having that space has like put like a very strain on my mental health being home like throughout the whole summer as well was also like very difficult on me. Um, so I would say it has been very difficult, but I am very blessed that I was able to move back into the residence hall for fall. But still maintaining that work life balance when it's all coming straight from your computer, like your work, your school, and then like my your computer has like prior pre pandemic been like my source of entertainment, like when it's my downtime, but now that it's all in one spot, it's very difficult to get away from. And then like with student government, like being the executive vice president, I didn't realize, well, I knew it was gonna be an e-board role, but I didn't realize how demanding it would be. And it looks very different virtually as to what I was expecting. Like I did think we would be back by the time like I stepped into my role. So navigating through a virtual environment, this is like the first unprecedented, like student government year where it has been fully online has been very difficult, like just like learning everything we are allowed and not allowed to do, that alone has been like so difficult and straining. And then like again, like just bringing back like the need to always like say yes and fear of having a hard time saying no has to definitely placed a very big strain on my mental health. I will say though, I did take to counseling as well. Like Harmony mentioned, I have no shame saying that I was in counseling for the first semester. And I would say that kind of helped level out my head. Like it would be like a nice little session to go to each week. But I do say I would, I do still suffer with like the ability to say no, but for this semester, I've been giving myself like more of a break to take time for myself and like, try to disconnect like whenever possible. I
0: think that's so important, like with this pandemic, I feel like it, it's like one of those things that we can all relate to like, with what both of you guys just said right now like in terms of the thing where like first you were commuting in like I commuted from Long Island so it's quite a journey you know like one hour one way and then back the same way um so you know I was excited like okay no commute like just roll out of bed do this but then like you're at home you have to watch like all the responsibilities like I care for my parents but at the same time it's like not really caring but yes caring with the responsibilities and then like the dishes like the dreaded dishes like couldn't agree more with that um and then also like if I'm in a meeting and then you also have to watch over like who's coming in like watching over those responsibilities taking care of any work how do you tell them like I just need some space maybe I just need to set those boundaries so like as you guys said like the conversations talking to them if needed like also just caring for yourself if you need like, it's, it's, there's no shame in going to counseling. You can speak to someone about it because, you know, you're not alone. Like, we're all going through this and we can speak through it, talk through it. It can help all of us. So definitely some great points there. Um, the next question that I had was that according to womenshealth.gov, more than one in five women in the United States experience a mental health condition, and that's such as depression or anxiety. And many of these mental health conditions, such as depression and bipolar disorder affect more women than men or affect women in different ways from men. So I wanted to ask you guys about um, in what ways has the pandemic brought on or or relieved some anxieties that you may have had? So that could be the commute anxiety, health and safety concerns, family safety, social isolations. So how has the pandemic brought on or relieved?
2: Sure, so I think there's two facets to it. I think one, the pandemics that we've, we're we facing uh, have uh, created some anxieties and stressors in our life, but also I think, uh, especially for myself, it has resurfaced some anxieties that I thought maybe, you know, you kind of sweep something under the rug and it's not really gone, but you can't see it. And then I think COVID just like ripped the rug off for everybody. And then you just saw everything that was there sitting. And so for me, I've had anxiety, quite honestly, my entire life. I would probably say I'm someone that's like high functioning anxiety. You can't really tell. But for me, I'm actually stressing out and you can't really see it externally. And so I've struggled with anxiety and perfectionism. And then also you need to think about as well, health wise. So physically, the people are being impacted along with emotionally because of the pandemics. And so I've always had migraines my entire life and I've been getting them a lot more frequently. Also, I've always had sinus issues. And so being in the house, even that, like physically being in the house, I had to buy a humidifier, um, beca- air purifier because it's so stuffy and I can't breathe being in the house all day. Um, and then isolation, that's adding on some stressors and emotional um, issues as well. And then I would say, especially throughout this entire past year and, and even prior to everything going on with like Black Lives Matter, that's definitely been a stressor. Every day waking up, seeing someone else in my community is being taken away. Um, and you know, more and more people are getting sick. So as many of you mentioned, caring for family members, I my best friend lost two people um, as well. And so it's just so much compounding. And then for me, I'm an empath extremely so like I literally feel people's emotions when they're happy I'm excited when they're down I literally feel it and it impacts me mentally and emotionally so I have not been okay and I think we just need to say that it's okay not to be okay the standard should not be to be resilient like we shouldn't pride resilience it's okay to cry it's okay to mess up and be imperfect. And I would just encourage people to do something that makes you, brings you joy, whether it's weekly, monthly, set aside and commit time to do something that brings you happiness. And so for me, my desk is filled with books right now. And so I've been reading, you know, I read, So You Wanna Talk About Race and Uncomfortable Conversations with the Black Man. I'm reading the new Jim Crow right now. And, you know, all these different books that brings me joy and helps heal my um, emotional stressors. And I would say lastly is detach if you need to. So I couldn't watch the video um, of Dante Wright. Recently, detach. It's okay to detach sometimes and not overwhelm yourself. And again, don't be ashamed to to ask for help. It's okay to ask for help and know that we cannot deal with uh, everything on our own.
3: Um, for me, I will definitely say this pandemic has like resurfaced as well, like some anxieties for me. So I used to be, like I mentioned when I first came to Group, I was very shy and like to myself, where I didn't really feel comfortable like speaking up. And the like not having like full human interaction for over a year and just like meeting in zoom calls for school work, etc, etc. I do we feel like these like anxieties of being able to like speak up are resurfacing because I haven't had the full like interaction with people that I'm using on a day-to-day basis. So I do feel like I guess in the past I used to just be like fearful of, like how I come off and like not being sure of myself. So I feel like more and more as I'm not having like real life interactions, I'm losing my touch of like how to like add add. A- quickly (laughs) communicate to like other people. So that has definitely been an anxiety of mine. And then like overall, one thing I have always struggled with is just like the desire to do like really well. Oh, hold on, sorry. Do you guys still hear me? My headphones died. Okay, so just the desire to do like well in school has been something that I've always struggled, like always been dedicated to. And I think with the pandemic, Honestly, some professors, like in my opinion, have been giving like un I'm trying to think of the word like unbearable like work workloads, and they just expect a lot with like the time you're in, and they aren't like open to suggestion, even though this is like a full learning experience for everyone. And I feel like my drive to do well has been on overdrive, as like I'm trying to go above and beyond just to make sure. I'm like hitting all the margins because I like overall big fear of like failure even though I know like I'm putting in the work it's still like always there in the back of my mind and then lastly to touch upon like the Black Lives Matter movement just like seeing how 2021 end of 2020 like racism like resurfacing to the point of where it's like it's just like really terrible and like just the fear of like going outside knowing like I am a woman of color I don't know how I'm going to be perceived by other people it's just like it's like really disheartening that still in 2021 these like instances are still occurring but we are as the overall society it only is important when it occurs and then we just like forget about it and just like People in power who actually have the ability to like make change, just like brush it under the rug until it comes up again. And then it's again swept under the rug. I think it's something that like definitely is very frustrating for me.
1: Thank you, um, Brianna and Harmony, for sharing. Um, one thing that Harmony mentioned that I think stuck with me was um, to find joy and to not, I get to not, it's not selfish to do something that brings you joy. And our next sort of like something, um, next conversation uh, discussion was, how have you been able to take care of yourself when overwhelmed by the many responsibilities you have? And like, um, I guess the anxieties, as you mentioned, that have surfaced. Um, so what's one way, I guess, you take care of yourself? Um, Harmony, you mentioned you started reading. Um, any other, uh, I guess, things you have started to look into?
2: Sure. So definitely reading, Um, challenging myself. So I mentioned I took some classes just because I'm a school nerd. And so I love just being in school. Um, I also I would say love music. Uh, my name is Harmony, and I sing. I love to sing. I've always sang my life, and I and I love music as well. So music, I think, is healing. And so I tell some of my friends, you know, I listen to music based on my mood. So one day I might be a Mariah Carey. One day I might be an Eminem if I'm angry. Like listen to music based on your mood, and you'll normalize what you're feeling. Um, you know, social media find ways to stay connected to other people. Um, so communicating with friends and family, you know, I, I kind of got on this TikTok thing. So TikTok is hilarious. I watch all these videos. I don't make any, but I watch them, you know, and get lost on it all day just to laugh. You know, so little things like that. Um, talking, crying, you know, um, I had a great cry yesterday after the healing circle that we had. Um, and I would say just advocating and doing for others, I personally find passion in that. And so one thing Brianna just mentioned is, you know, just about us as a community, I really appreciate this platform right now, um, uh, Parmji and Sharmin, because sometimes as faculty or staff, we feel disconnected and we don't know how to connect with students. And there's people like myself that we find passion and we are committed and dedicated, like authentically uh, to give back to our students. And so I appreciate this platform to come and speak and also, you know, as an invitation to being able to connect to Brianna, like, there's many of us that have been talking, like how can we help the community? How can we advocate for students? How can we get connected with USG and what initiatives do they have? We are here. And so I think, you know, just me giving back and having that opportunity and open invitation to all of you to give back is something that brings me joy personally and makes me feel like I'm making a difference, especially during these difficult times. Because as Brianna mentioned, sometimes students have been telling us like, You know with everything going on i can't do do my work and as an academic advisor it's my profession to make sure you graduate but my approach is damn your classes right now then if you're not okay your mental health comes first and so if you need me to email your faculty and say you're not going to class today i'm going to do that Because if you get sick or something happens to you and you're not okay, you're not going to do your work anyway. And so my approach is always, you know, centering the voices of the students. And that just personally brings me joy along with, you know, listening to music and the other things that I mentioned.
3: I definitely want to say some things that I have been doing um, to reward myself is like, if there is like an accomplishment I go through, I kind of reward myself with food, um, like ordering out. But now, like, because things are opening back up, and I actually have, like, like, luckily, I was able to get vaccinated. I've been, like, going out to eat more and trying new things. It's been a year, so there's a lot to try. Um, But yeah, just rewarding myself with, like, my favorite foods and, like, ice cream and stuff like that is something I do, like, on occasion, like, when I want to, like, if I do, like, have an accomplishment that I just made, or I know I have, like, something very important coming up before it happens, I want to, like, have a good, nice meal to eat. Um, another thing I actually really got into over, like, a little before winter break was, like, Audible books. Um, I'm really into, like, mystery, adventurous type of books. So that has been something I, like, really got into. Um, at the dorms, there was a books book club where we were reading, like, books each month. So that kind of, like, what sparked my interest back in November. And then over the break, because I had more time, I went through, like...
1: Fifteen books in like that whole month span, just like listening to them. So that was like one thing that I've been getting more into. That's amazing. Fifteen books in one month. Oh, sorry, me Go ahead. I was just
0: going to cut you off. I just find it really nice, like it does like the aspect of taking care of yourself like sometimes it's like it's fine to take care of yourself whether it's like just treating yourself to having like some nice food or if it's you just want to sing you just want to listen to the music based on your mood put yourself in the zone like it's absolutely fine because sometimes we just need to focus on ourselves. Um, As discussed, like put ourselves first, because, you know, if there's no us, like nothing else is going to happen. So prioritizing your needs, your mental health is really very important. And so now we're going to be entering the last portion of our discussion, which is the closing and tips and advice for future women leaders. So are there any daily reminders, quotes, affirmations that you use on a daily basis to encourage yourself or boost your confidence when working? Um, So Either
2: of you guys can start with that. Sure. So uh, I'll keep it short. I think a couple is one that I've always lived by is that everything happens for a reason, and so I may not understand it right now. I may not be happy with it, but just trust and have faith. You know, whether that's just in life, spiritually, whatever it may be, that it happens for a reason. And there's a purpose, and I think that calms some of my anxieties. I would also say something else that I've realized growing up and where I'm at now is that these are the days that I wished for as a kid. When I was younger, like I wished for the days that I had a stable life. I wished for the days that I could eat and take care of myself. And although I have other complications and stressors right now, I wished and prayed for these days that I would get to the place I am. So just sitting back and being able to appreciate where you are and pat yourself on the back and just you know reflect on the beauty of life and where you are currently. And then the last thing I would encourage for leaders as well and something that I try to tell myself fairly is you are enough and simple as that not but and if or you just you're enough and that's it.
3: Honestly, for me, for the last point you made, you took the words out of my mouth, I was going to say that, although it might like you might be in a stressful situation, you might think like, oh, do I actually belong here but telling yourself you are enough is something that I hold true to myself. Like, if I know I'm struggling mentally, I will say, well, you got this for a reason. So you obviously were enough at the time. So you will continue to be enough. That was my big takeaway. And also another thing I want to let everyone one who's becoming a leader know, um, take advantage of your resources, but also be open to giving back. Because I would say that I have had a lot of guidance at Brook, and I do enjoy being able to give back to the brew community in any way can. So if you are stepping into leadership, just understand the importance of taking in what everyone is telling you. You will be able to find a way for yourself, but in that journey, make sure you're able to give back.
0: Like if you just do it, then you're you're enough. You're going to get it done because everything happens for a reason. And then once you've made it, then you can help the other people give back and do what's best for the others to help them move forward. So right here it's nice and simple but you know there's a story to it so I love these advices
1: yeah I would say that personally for me I also always use everything happens for a reason to like motivate myself inspire myself for like future I guess just future goals Um, and another thing that Harmony sort of mentioned was that like looking into your present self and reflecting like this is where you wanted to be like as a kid Um, So our next question is, what is one lesson or one thing you have learned over the past year about yourself? It could be anything in general, or is there a lesson or tip you would like your present self to remember on a daily basis? And anyone can start.
2: Sure, so uh, before I go into kind of myself, I think one thing that I've learned and I appreciate is all of you students and you all calling us out. So for example, seeing the petition and the campaign for credit, no credit, and seeing the open letter um, for Baruch and CUNY in general to decolonize and really uh, show their solidarity and say Black Lives Matter and all of that. Like I am so impressed and just in awe of all of the students and all the initiatives that you've been involved in. And so I think I learned like, dang, they're, they're calling us out as staff and faculty. We have a responsibility, like we have to step up. How are they doing more than us? And so I think that really has, um, propelled my commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion. And um, I've been more involved than I was on campus, quite honestly, virtually, because I can just sign on and do all of these different things. I'm volunteering for, I can't say how many types of events. And um, I realized that I can handle more than I thought I could because you don't know how much you can handle unless you try. And so you might fail and it's okay, but you know whether or not you could have done it. Um, I'm also realizing that I'm worthy and that I matter, I think sometimes we focus so much on, um, we doubt ourselves and we have self-esteem issues, but I've gotten a lot of love from the community and my support networks and it's helped boost my um, self-esteem and made me realize I do matter and I am valuable to the Baruch community. It's definitely helped with my imposter syndrome. And I would say also um, just learning that I can make a difference in my own way Um, And so I'm doing that by staying true to who I am, realizing this is me authentically, imperfectly, and that's okay. And like I said earlier, I mentioned earlier, I'm going to sit in those spaces where I'm comfortable and I'm happy and I'm good at what I'm doing. And so um, I would encourage people to continue to do that. Students continue to call us out, continue to help hold us accountable. And, um, you know, together as a community, we can definitely accomplish a lot.
3: Um, so one thing I definitely want to say being involved on campus is that it's important to be an advocate for yourself. Um, you may be suffering through something, but as well as other people, but they won't know that it's actually occurring unless you speak up. So if you feel something is unjust, if you don't agree with what is being said, make sure if, and if you feel safe to do so make sure you are advocating for yourself even if it's not in that instance if you circle back to it that's totally okay um one thing that i learned about myself this year is that i'm very like resilient and just like being open to change and having to like roll with the punches but also that i'm able like no matter how hard it can get i know that at the end of the day i would definitely be able to like accomplish whatever i seek to
0: I absolutely love that like what both of you what both of you said like it's it's just so important sometimes to just reflect back and understand that like you advocating for yourself and also like if you see something like it, like also speaking up about it and also just getting the opportunity to understand like what you're comfortable with what you're not comfortable with and so um as we reflected on our past experiences as we spoke about um all these different things For our listeners today who will be listening to this podcast, um, so just a final question for you all. So do you have any piece of advice or words of encouragement that the listeners today who may be getting started, who may be thinking, should I become a leader on campus? Should I make that big move at work? Should I step into this new professional environment? Do you have any final words of advice for them about how they can really make it to what they've always wanted to do and accomplish. Sure.
2: I would say, do you (laughs) like, do you do what makes you happy? Do what you're passionate about. A couple of things would be self-reflect, which we've talked about. Um, We have to consistently self-reflect because our needs change. The needs of others change. Our passions and interests and skills change. So it's not one and done. Always self-reflect, be adaptable, Utilize your support network because we're not all, we're not superhumans. We're not super women, I would say, you know, Um, so definitely utilize your network. Um, Perfectionism is not real. Uh, Like you don't have to perfectionism. The struggle is real, but you don't have to be perfect. So um, recognize you're perfect, just the way that you are. And I would say also recognize that uh, what we see on social media isn't real. Because I think a lot of us hold ourselves to a certain beauty standard, success standard, all of this based on what we see on social media, which is not real life a lot of the time. Um, again, find your niche, find what you're good at and your passions. Uh, and then just circling back to what we mentioned earlier, no matter how uh, what position you get, how much you climb that ladder in your career, please maintain your authenticity and humanity. Remember why you got into what it is that you're doing, um, remember the passion and you know, don't forget your clients, your students, whoever you're working with, because without you all, without the college students, there isn't any school, there isn't any jobs for us or anything. You're at the center um, for my particular career. Um, and then again, like I said, I would close with the foster care statistics. Do not allow statistics, society or anyone else to dictate your future, your possibilities are limitless. And you can really do anything you put your mind to, um, especially with the support of an amazing network. Um, so definitely tap into that.
3: Honestly, thank you, Harmony, for like those closing statements. Um, just adding on a little bit, I will definitely say if you are placing with a new opportunity, just go for it because you don't know if you're not gonna enjoy it or not if you don't try. So even if you are very nervous, very scared, you believe you don't belong there, you do, you, this opportunity has been placed in your lap for a reason. So you might as well just take the journey and see where it leads you. Um, Worst case scenario is you don't like it at all and then you just need to quit. But you won't know that you don't like something until you try it. So if the opportunity presents itself, definitely take it. And I just want to echo in on what Harmony said. Social media is fake; It's all a facade. You don't know what the person behind the screen is actually going through. It's just... It's a lot, and I definitely have struggled in the past, but don't let social media define you because like Harmony said, like I'm saying, it's fake. Um, and yeah, also, I just wanna thank you, Shereen and Prajeet for having us on today to like give us the space to like, talk about our experiences. I really appreciate having this like session.
1: I want to thank you both for um, sharing your amazing words of encouragement. They're very inspirational um, and giving such great advice today on how to find strength in ourselves and just trusting ourselves and we are enough. Um, It's been such a wonderful and insightful conversation today. Um, Thank you for joining us. Yeah, and so
0: our hopefully our ho- listeners who are listening in today, you enjoyed the conversations as much as we did. Remember that if you do have any questions about the conversations we had today, or if you want to follow up about anything, you can always reach out to us at Wellness at um, We check the email regularly. So I know if anyone has, if they need to talk to us, um, we are in fact health and wellness. So we're here for you all. Um, So be sure to reach out to us and yeah, that is all for today. Thank you everyone for joining our episode. And yeah, I hope you have a wonderful day, everybody.